Okay, guys. Very welcome for our first podcast in English. Thanks, B. Thank for... you for, for sending all your messages and all your questions. That was very much appreciated. So the whole idea, guys, is get a little closer to all of you. Uh, so you send the questions for this first one, but the idea is that we're gonna choose important subjects to deliver in, in, in these podcasts. We're gonna try to do this once a month so we can get a better connection. And I think in the way I can help you guys more, not just in terms of, you know, the questions that you guys send, like, you know, in terms of management of the school, but also in, the, in, in what we're doing here in the association, the office, what our plans are for the future. So that's going to be really updated uh, in what we're doing here. So, to the questions. <laughs> the first question we have from Paul Elizai. Paul, I really hope I got your name right. Um, so his question is, what is the right way to plan advanced classes? I have a good handle on the beginner and intermediate classes, but I just kind of do whatever is on my mind for the week when it comes to the advanced class. Is there a systematic way to organize content? Yes, Paul, we, we should have. Right, but that is in the in the part of our fault because we didn't we didn't launch the advanced course yet because we understood that it was more important to deliver the beginners course and the intermediate class because it was something that the the, the instructors uh, have more problems to to do it right, but we came to a point that. I really believe that our next course should be the advanced. Uh, one, one thing that I can say to you to, you know, for you to start working from now before we launch the course is that the advanced class, of course, is much more open for you. You can, you can do basically whatever you want to do in terms of technique because the advanced guys must know everything, right? But the structure of the class, I would like to, to work with drills instead of the warm-up. The advanced guys don't, don't want to go to the gym to work out. They want to do jiu-jitsu, right? So let's try to, to plan our work, our warm-up connected with the techniques that we're going to teach in that class. So we're going to do drills uh, in the beginning. So get the guys warm and then you show the technique and then you're gonna use the, the different ways of training for the guys. You can use a lot of things that we, that we did on the comp competitors class, the competitors course. You can use a lot of examples from those, from those classes. You just need to slow them down a little bit because you don't wanna put that intensity on the advanced class as we have for the competitors. But basically the structure of the class is that drill for the warm-up, the techniques, and different types of training in the end to don't, to don't get the guys bored just doing the same thing every day. Uh, it's very common to see instructors that every, every single class, they do the same thing. Oh, let's do like five rounds of seven minutes and it's always the same, then it becomes boring, you know? So try to mix the, the, the trainings 
in try to change it every day so your class is gonna be much more fun. Actually, I have a question about that. Um, sure. What about how do you? What's your opinion about pairing people up or letting them choose their training? Uh, that's very important. I think Jacaré is the master of how to pair the students, right? So he does this like anyone else, but it's not every day you can do that and you don't need to do it every day, but we need at least to correct if you see that there's some guys searching for that, you know, easy training and the, the, the heavy guy that wants to go always with always the with the girls <laughs> or with the light guys, you know, they don't want to challenge themselves. You got to feel that and put the guy not to a big challenge, but just, you know, just pair the guy with the right uh, partner to spar with. And it's something that the, in advanced class you should look for all the time. So be really careful because you can, you can lose the student if you don't do it, yeah. right? If, sure. if you... If you let your student get that bad experience because some big guys smash them uh, badly, probably the guy gonna lose. Maybe it's a, it's a blue belt, you know, or some some guy that are coming back from an injury or something like that. So you need to protect your students in a way they they train hard, but they are protected at the same time. Right, so the next question we have from Hafer Alliance Greenville. He says, how do you approach a white belt who signs up under the beginner program and he goes and rolls at some other school's open mat? I've spoken about the rolling thing, but I feel like I have no power over a student who is paying and decides he wants to go and roll at someone's open mat. How should I approach the situation? And I think a number of people have the same Yeah, same I, I think we need to understand that, in fact, we have no power over the students, right? They can decide and do whatever they want to outside of our gym. We are there to provide them the best experience they can have. And in order to do that, we, really we need to explain from the very beginning the importance of the methodology, how how important it is in the beginning for them to understand the whole thing, to build the foundation so they can put more techniques on top of that. If they want to train the risk, and then you're going to explain why we don't do that, because the risk of injuries is pretty high. The risk of uh, having a bad experience is very high, so that's, that's why we don't do it. You know, doing the open mat is the easiest way. You know, to be honest, open mat uh, starts in Brazil a long time ago because the instructors were lazy. That's the only reason that people put open mat. The instructor don't want to work. And then they just let the students roll as they like. You know, this is pretty easy. There's no, it's not our job. Our job is to protect and, and our students and teach them the right way, you know. So our, 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 what we can do is we can explain this better to make our students understand and reinforce that during the classes, you know. But in the end of the day, if the students want to go to some open mat elsewhere, what we can do? Nothing. 
Let them go. And I think like you talk about the first three classes are, are private, so mm -hmm. you have that chance to explain to them about why the methodology and how that works. Yeah, what, what happened in most of the cases is that usually people do the intro class and right after that they put the guys to the, to, to the beginners group, which not completely wrong, but it's definitely not the best way to do it because they the students won't understand and and maybe because you didn't have time enough to explain all the methodology in one class. That's why we choose three intro classes. So you can really prepare the student, not just to go to the group, but also to understand how important the, the methodology yeah. is and how important for, for him to follow the process, you know, in every single detail. So, and at the same time, you can reinforce the, the, all the jiu-jitsu philosophy and start putting that seed of belonging in the student's mind. So you have those three classes and this is, this is gold. This is the most important, most powerful thing you can have in your academy to introduce your student in the jiu-jitsu world. Yeah, I wish I'd had that. <laughs> it just got smashed from See, day one. <laughs> yeah, you, you are as, you know, most of us survivors, you know. You just pass through the, the hardest part, you know. But the, the, in contrast, when, when you see someone doing the right thing and the way they learn Jiu-Jitsu is so comfortable, oh goodness, they, yeah. they don't leave, you know. And that's what we, we, we search for, right? Lifelong students you know in our academies okay so the next question we have from danny duckworth uh, in houston county martial arts and fitness what is the best way to find sales staff how many employees do you have what role do they have and what would you consider fair pay and how many mat assistants do you have per number of kids on the mat so many questions yeah uh i think the best way to find sales staff uh, is definitely not having, is not searching inside your school. Uh, I don't like the idea, and I did this many times in the past, but I don't like the idea to hire anyone that trains my academy. They don't really understand, they mix it up things, you know. So when the guy is a student, the same time he works in the, in the academy, this is not good. Of course, if you hire someone from outside and they decide to do jiu-jitsu, then it's fine, but his main job is to work in sales. So that's the, 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 that's the person that you should look for on the sales market, you know. I would go for, for the people that has some experience in, in the fitness world because they are really well trained. They, the, the fitness... Uh, the fitness is way ahead of jiu-jitsu yeah. in terms of business. In the United States as well, yeah, of very course. good service. Yeah, so you can, you can get a really, really good salesperson in the fitness world and bring, it to, bring him to jiu-jitsu and then you're going to teach them our methodology and how Alliance works and what Alliance is all about and then you go from there. Uh, so the next question is, how many employees do you have and what role do they have? 
I I I have I have my academy twelve instructors plus three employees that works on sales. So, but it depends on the size of your gym. You know, it's it's hard to, you know, to just give you yeah. one example. But you you can of course get a different varieties of models. It, it depends on the size of your gym. And you have a cleaning team as well. Yeah, of course. Important. And there's a company that yeah. that you know takes care of, of the cleaning, and we have the guys on the on the on the valet that park the car. So oh, yes. so have many. But there's a there's a specific situation from Sao Paulo. You know, maybe if I have an academy in the US, I wouldn't have it. So it, it really depends. Um, and how many mat assistants do you have per number of kids on the mat? I think the the the, the ideal is one instructor for have eight kids. You know, it can go to ten, but when you start going uh, a little further, then it's, it's complicated. Yeah, and with little kids, probably yeah. like twenty helpers. So you you really <laughs> need to have more instructors, you know, to help to help on the kids' class. Okay, and then we have, oh, this is an interesting one. So from Mark Plavkin Alliance Madison, what are the key ways to help develop a competitor's mindset in order to be a champion? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit complicated, I guess. Uh, but the way that I, that I used to treat my, my athletes and my champions was always based on hard work and never feed the egos. I think that's uh, what really destroy uh, the competition team is when you start to treat people uh, differently. You know, so maybe because that guy won the tournament the past weekend, they start to have a different and special treatment in your school. So you, of course, you're gonna put more energy in that guy, and then you're gonna forget the others. So the idea is try to treat everybody under the same way and also make them compete as much as they can to get confidence and understanding that uh, the mindset of the champion is something very individual, right? The, the, you you got to respect that instead of trying to impose one way of thinking because the guys, they, they work in a different ways, right? So Malfacini likes to do his routine in a way. Michael does different. Cobrinha does different. Lucas has another way to, to get, you know, in, the, in his best shape to compete, his best and most accurate mind to compete. It's the same as Bernard, Belial Nogueira. So, so many guys think completely different and have different formulas to get to the point to and compete. We, we spoke, I think I asked you the same question mm -hmm. and you said, you know, what about sports psychology? And you said that you'd spoken to this oh, woman. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really believe that much. It's not that I'm saying, oh, there is no psychology in sport. Of course that is. But from my experience, I see guys with a lot of potential that never got a title in jiu-jitsu and uh, and that mindset doesn't really change you know I don't really believe that it changed in the way that you are not champion for a long time and then you become a champion and you said something interesting that you know I think the formula is 
if you if you have a certain skill set and your weaker skills to try and improve the weaker skills, but you you say no, like focus on the the yeah, things oh yeah. you're good at. That that's that's a very important thing. The people they try to balance, and there is no balance in life. If you wanna if you wanna do something extraordinary, there is no balance. You gotta go to the extreme, right? And then of course you can you can be in the extreme hundred percent of the time, but then you you're gonna you're gonna move back a little bit, and that's your balance. You don't go for the weak points you have, yeah. because if you start working uh, on the weak points, the, the the what gonna happen is you're gonna probably lose uh, what you have the best. And, and you it, said you've seen people get worse with sports. Of sports course, sports. and then you, you get average, and that was the psychologists sometimes do. They try to to you know. To, to fix problems that you had in your childhood with your parents and then you, you go inside that problem and you go deep inside and you waste a lot of time trying to fix that yeah, and then make, maybe take five years for you to, you know, to realize that, you know, and, uh, and then you, you already lost those years, you know, doing something that you are not good at. So try to reinforce where you're good and that's the way to be a champion. Yeah, I think I like that strategy. Um, so Samuel Snow, Alliance Jiu-Jitsu Keller, along those lines of treating everyone equally. <laughs> Just said yeah, that. Yeah, so what does everyone think about congratulating kids who placed in competitions, so got a medal in front of the class? And what do you do in terms of recognizing those competitors and their achievements? What would you limit that to in order to make sure you don't inflate any egos? No, don't take me wrong. We are the sport that, and our our every sport actually, we go for meritocracy, right? So if the kid won the tournament, you should congratulate them as much as you can. They must feel really happy for the achievement they they got. The the point is, once you're dead, you don't need to to do it again and again and again and keep doing. Right, because we, we we gotta teach them that they need to keep moving and evolving. So it's not because you were a champion in the past; they were champion now. So you need to keep going, right? So a, a compliment is a really important thing uh, to motivate people. We need that, right? So it's like getting a belt or getting a stripe. It's all about motivation. But you know, on the other hand, you cannot give stripes to every class just because the guys are happy, right? There's something that they need to do in order to get that stripe. It's the same with the compliments when they get the medal. For that medal, I already put everybody to clap their hands in, in the group for you, but it's over. Now you're gonna search for another one, you know? So don't take me wrong, you should and you must, you know, put a lot of compliments for the people that win. You know, you want to raise people that like to win. That's very important. Yeah, because I think in some schools in the US, everybody, they don't distinguish between losers and winners. So everybody gets a medal, but this isn't the world that we no, live in. This it's, not, so. it's, not, it's not the way that I believe the world it is. So, uh, I, don't, I, I, never, I never saw something happening like that in the US, you know. Uh, I think 
infant just in the little kids and school. Yeah, so they yeah don't, maybe, maybe. So they don't kind of feel defeated by... But if you, if you go for a tournament, let's say you take your kids to compete in the Pan Ams. So they're going to compete. Some, some of them are going to get the medal. Some, some don't. Yeah. Right? No, I mean, so when you come back, you got the guys that got the medal. You congratulate them. You, you, you get the guys that didn't get the medal. And you're going to reinforce that they are capable of. You just need to train more. And then that's the way that things go. Okay. So Walter Elias Eastman, what have been the keys to a lifelong successful partnership between the three Alliance founders? And what advice can you give to someone entering or navigating business relationships? What to never do, what to always make sure you do? I think that what, what have been really important to us uh, to stay together, I mean the founders, is I think it's love. I think I think that that's the word that you know go and you know is is definitely the most important thing. We you know we have lived the same path for so long and uh, it's like a marriage. Yes. A marriage of three. Very long one. <laughs> very long one. I don't know any, anyone that is married for 35 years <laughs> but anyway it's a really you know strong connection we have we believe in the same thing of course we have you know points that we disagree and that's okay you know uh, I remember a long time ago and I had a discussion I have a perfect plan uh, I gotta talk about that in the, in the other podcast uh, what we live in now in Alliance I had a plan for a very long time and one day, uh, me and Jacare we disagree. And, uh, and what, what could I do? You know, I disagree was, it, it, it would be like black or white, right? There was no uh, gray area to discuss. What I did, as we say in Brazil, I put my guitar on my back and go home. So I. He had the, the last word in every matter, right? He was the master and he still is. And uh, I, I just needed to prove to him again, years later, that that was the best way to go. So it, that, that kind of thing, you know, I think kept us together, you know. He, he actually, I, I asked Jacare what his answer was and he said to me the key is to believe in the goals that we set to live our life's teaching and helping more people to do the same thing we also always stayed together during the good and bad moments of mm -hmm. marriage mm -hmm. when some of our old members decided to take different roads oh yeah that that's the that's our history you know we have the, the alliance split in 2001 it was a very sad moment i was in the middle of the storm um start inside my academy so it was a you know a really big split uh, and we stayed together you know we stayed together and we built everything again and uh, it also made us stronger you know yeah. our relationship stronger we know that we can count with, with in, in each other you know and uh, and no matter what and uh, yeah Jacare is completely right you know and uh, when, when you talk about the the dreams and uh, and the beliefs, you know, 
we have exactly the same ones. Yeah, because I think like when you have when your goals and your values are so big, anything else just kind of doesn't it loses its perspective. I just I just read a so, book that Bernardo gave me, Bernardo Farier, that and the book called One Thing. What's uh, one, one thing. One thing. Yeah. And uh, what the guy basically said is that if you have one thing and that thing is the most important thing to you, all the other things Just is going to be smaller or unnecessary. Yeah. Right? So the small, you know, small fights and small things, we just, you know, we just let go, you know, and, and because we are focusing on a much yeah. bigger goal. You know, so we want to accomplish a lot of things together, and that's our dream since the beginning. You know, yeah, so, I think that's really nice about alliance. Like the goals are really clarified. Yeah. About what you want to do, and that feeling of belonging that you want to bring into it. So yeah. you have it. That they're very clear. I think for anyone in alliance knows what. They I'm are. happy that's the idea. We're gonna make it even clearer this year, uh, 2020. Uh, our and then then thanks to Damien that probably is gonna watch this video. I hope uh, he gave me a recommendation about one book that called Tribe from from Alexander Jung, I guess oh Sebastian, Sebastian Sebastian Junger, yeah Sebastian Junger. And uh, I read that book and it was just a click on my mind about the 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 belonging, you know, and that, that's gonna be our maintain into 20, 2020 that's uh, we're gonna try to make all our students all over the world understand that they belong to something uh, much bigger than the academies that they do jiu-jitsu and so that way we can get much more loyal students for much longer time yeah, it was something like I've only been with Alliance for five months, but in Vegas, like you really See? feel it. It's yeah, and, and the summit that we had here in Sao Paulo yeah, was also was amazing. And uh, yeah. we talk a lot about that. And that was the uh, when I finished the book, uh, I realized that I just I just traveled, you know, to my young age when I was start competing under Jacare's flag. And how proud, proud I was, you know, every tournament that I, you know, that I won, I said, man, this is for Jacare. That's, that's exactly what made me proud of my career, you know, it's like looking to him and say, man, you know, I did it, yeah. you know, and that was an amazing feeling. So that, that's the belonging that we need to deliver to our students, I guess. Yeah, I think it's very strong, isn't it? When you when you're doing something for a bigger thing. Oh, yeah. It gives you, when you don't feel like you want to do it, it gives you a motivation to... And then, then comes when uh, I, I also remember when I stopped competing and, uh, and start coaching my athletes to compete and start to, to have a way more pleasure in, in, in seeing them winning than I had when I... Yeah. I was winning, you know, and of course when you, when you win, it's good, you know, I have... Yeah, you definitely you know, would love that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I love it, you know, I love it. And, uh, and I, I want enough, you know, to, to really feel that sensation, it's still in my heart. But uh, when I stopped, I just stopped because my, my pleasure was 
bigger watching my, yeah, my athletes people. and students and other people to win. Uh, I think that was exactly the time when I switched to the fighter, to the, to the, to the professor, coach. you know, coach yeah. or instructor or whatever you call. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, actually, the next question is from Damien. All right. And uh, Hafa also brought up this point as well. So. How do you deal with students with rank that join? We get guys who switch to us as blue, purple, brown, and honestly, sometimes they suck. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I know that's Dana. really familiar. I, I know Damien Dana wrote that. <laughs> so no basics, zero self-defense. Haven't really ever trained hard. We try to help them along, but you can see the frustration and feeling of being overwhelmed on their face. Not to mention they just aren't at the level of the average student at their rank or below. We've had a couple quit because they just feel like they wasted so many years in the past and it's too hard to catch up. Not their fault, their old academies did them a disservice. Gosh, I went through that. Yeah, this, <laughs> this is very common and I can tell you guys, it's going to be even more common in the near future. Uh, I think that the people are waking for those disservice that the people are doing in Jiu-Jitsu. So the people are gonna start searching for some more structured schools. And we we need to receive those guys and try our best to, to correct the other guys' mistakes. What I do in my academy is that I invite the guy to do some basic classes as well. So, we, we, you don't need to, to tell him, look, you don't know anything of jiu-jitsu, so you go to that class. If the guy's already a brown belt or a purple belt, the guy would feel bad, right? So you just invite the guy to do one or two classes, maybe two classes a week on the, on the basic or maybe as a warm-up before the class, if he can. And when they go, they really feel that they don't know nothing and they stay and they try to get better. I have many, many cases that the guy that came to my academy as a purple brown belt with a really bad level and became black belt in the really good one. So it's, it's just about how you tell the story, you know? So don't try to just let the guy, leave the guy on the mat and let them find out that they are not good. You know, probably they're going to leave your academy because they're going to feel really frustrated. So try to invite them in a really nice way to join one of one of two beginners classes a week. You know, and because... And actually have your, the intermediate class is a really good one, isn't it? For It is, but I think some guys, and I think when the guys mentioned that, the guy, they really suck, is those guys that don't know even how to to do a upa from the mount or apply a correct arm bar from the mount. That, those, that the level out there, you know? We know that. So as you invite them to join the beginner's class as a warm-up, you know, you don't need even to pay much attention to them to don't make them, you know, feel bad. But they're gonna realize that they don't really know. They're gonna start liking that class. And if the guy has a, you know, a, a will to really 
learn jiu-jitsu and maybe that's why they move for your academy, maybe they're gonna stay there for a while. And then from that point, he gonna, of course, after he learned the basics, he gonna connect the basics that he knows now with all the experience he had before. So then maybe you're gonna get an okay guy in your gym and then you can just keep going with the methodology and the graduation process without any problems. Yeah, I remember when I came to your, your gym after training four years and I did the beginner's class and I couldn't, I didn't know anything. I was mortified. Yeah, yeah because that, that's the reality. The people drop the guys in the class uh, without any care. So they don't, they don't really learn. They, they just survive, yeah, you know. Sure. They go there, they spar, they roll, they have fun, they work out, they do yeah. other things. But they are not doing jiu-jitsu. They are not really learning jiu-jitsu. So when you receive a guy like that, you should bring them to the beginner's class just to make them understand that they, they don't really know and they need that in order to grow your school. Yeah, that's so funny. The level of the beginners, I remember, they you know, they knew everything, like why they do what they do. They could explain everything. This is like a white belt with no stripes, you know, and they were helping me to do, it was incredible. It's like the level. Yeah, because imagine that you get, you get into the process and it's like in five, let's say 10 classes, you are comfortable in that environment yeah. already, right? Because you know that there's no sport, there's no risk for you. You just do the techniques, start to feel comfortable. So you can absorb much more information just because you are relaxed, yeah. right? But if you put the guy in the, in the very tense environment, they are then in the, in the safe panic. mode, right? In panic, mode, yeah. yeah. And uh, of course you cannot learn anything in panic. So you just keep going without learning, without understanding. That's a completely mess. Um, and so a continuation of that question from Hafa, he says, people who have trained before and are ranked, can they go straight to the group class or should they do the intro as well? I think they can go straight, but it's the same, same case we, we, we just mentioned. Uh, as you put the guy in the training straight to the group, you're gonna, you're gonna see if the guy knows jiu-jitsu or not. If the guy knows, fine, you just leave, leave the guy there training with your group. But if the guy don't know, then you should invite him again to do some beginner's class to help them to, to review their foundation. Don't tell the guy that they don't know. You just tell, look, Alliance has a different methodology. It's very important for us that all our students know the foundation as we teach. So it would be really nice if you can join one or two classes a week in the beginners just to try, just to see how we, we get it. You're going to get this very fast because you have experience in Jiu-Jitsu. You're already good in Jiu-Jitsu. So you can just, you know, make the, the, the way a little nicer. Lie. Basically lie. Yeah, a little bit. You know, that lie that doesn't hurt. The white lie. <laughs> white lie, yeah, white lie. So another question from Damon, he says, um, and actually a few wanted to know your, your reply to this. Do you charge late fees on late payments? And if you do, how many days late? No, I don't. 
I try nowadays, what I have learned is that if you create a, a money relationship with your student, it's always bad. So I don't allow my students to train if they are not, you know, with the, the, the payment in time, right? If let's say, oh, I charged the, the credit card, but didn't go through, the guy's gonna be blocked in the, full, in the next class that he goes. And I say, look, your payment didn't go through. Oh, I'm gonna pay you tomorrow. Fine, you can go in. That's should be a really nice and relaxed relationship. Yeah, like you you don't put the money between that, right? Uh, I charge everybody on the credit card on the system, so the system charge them in the in the in the in the, in the proper day. Uh, we have about two percent, two percent, two between two and three percent of the credit cards that don't go through for many different reasons. In Brazil, we have uh, they they just copy the number and the credit cards. Oh, cloning. Cloning, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it happens. So we know that we just block the guy in the entrance and tell them that the, the, the payment didn't go through. We send email, we send text message. We just let them know that the, that payment didn't go through, you know. So I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really have that problem in my gym. Uh, and what I suggest you guys to do is don't try to be that guy that charge money from your students. Try to make it in a way that they don't feel that you uh, care about the money, even though you are. But you know, because it's fair, it's your 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 job. But don't try to you know create a situation that your students uh, wouldn't be comfortable. So try to, to make the, the, the nicest ways possible. Yeah. Okay. And then last question, Naysay de Coral Springs, Florida. I'd like to know what type of email marketing you consider to be more efficient and if you can describe the characteristics you feel the system should have to be considered an efficient prospecting tool. Well, you've, that's a, that's your area, <laughs> that's not a short It's It's a little reply. bit, yeah, it's an important area. Uh, I think the, I think the answer is, is a little, is a little bit complex because in order to get the email list, you need to, to do a, a marketing to get that lead, right? So you should advertise your academy for a specific target. And maybe that's the, the biggest mistakes that the people do. They try to do one ad to collect all the leads in kids, yeah. you know, competitors, you know, masters, beginners, women, everybody in the same ad, just selling jujitsu. And it definitely doesn't work like that. You, you should define what your your target's gonna be so let's say you're gonna target kids so if you target kids of course you target the parents so what what kind of message you're gonna tell the parents and again if you say hey jiu-jitsu is good for your kid it's it's not interesting you need to go for 
the pain they have. So what the parents more worry about it, you know? What they really are really scared that can happen with the kids. Like bullying or like bullying or overweighting or let's say video games or wasting time with video games all day long. Stuff like that. So you you put a problem and you come with the solution. So you start to create a relationship with that with that lead, right? And then you need to collect that information in order to exchange for more information. As you get the interest for for a parent, for example, uh, you say, okay, now if you want to see how we treat bullying in our school, just fill up this form. So the guy going to put the email and name and going to send to you and going to reply right away with the answers. So you start to, to get a a relationship with that with that person, you know. There's there's a book uh, called Architecture of Persuasion. It's it's exactly what I'm saying, you know. How can you just start a? Oh, but you should give the the example of the uh, the man has to find a, a bride. Yeah, that's what the the the, the main history <laughs> of the book is the man that needs to find a wife to introduce to his grandmother that he's dying and she's gonna leave a lot of money if the guy get married. So in two weeks he needs to find a woman and then they start to tell the story and of course obviously the people pay, uh, think oh I gotta hire someone but it's not the way. His granny would know. Of course, right? So how can you really go step by step and don't take very long to get what you want? You know, so this book is really interesting and really uh, explain what I'm trying to explain to you guys. That's very important. And then you're gonna get the, the email list, a warm one, the people that are really interested in, in your yourself. And then you're gonna start inviting them to do an intro class, but it's it's much further in the process, yeah. you know. It's not Very trying to bring the guys right away to the academy without doing anything to them. But you said something that really made sense that your goal is not to rob people's academies of their students. You want people that maybe not even thinking yeah, about that is, that is no so. reason to to focus on the people that do jiu-jitsu. That's that's a minority. That's n nothing, you know. If you look in your in your city where you live, and how many people do jiu-jitsu, and what's the size of the population? Come on, you know. It's that's again. It's the lazy people that wants to rob the students for the the, the other academy because they don't want to do this kind of relationship and well, convince people. Maybe they don't know. Probably they don't know, but we do. So what we're gonna do is gonna try to convince people outside of jiu-jitsu to do what we love, you know? And that's the best exercises for you uh, to understand the marketing better and to become a better instructor because you're gonna teach the intro classes and, and that intro class is the most important tool in order to convince someone to, to do jiu-jitsu.
So that's your chance because you're gonna get different students for you know uh, for different backgrounds. You're gonna get that guy fat and lazy that never did anything in sports. You're gonna get that guy really athletic. You're gonna get a woman really thin and weak. You're gonna get the kid. You're gonna get different people, and everyone can have a lot of benefits doing jiu-jitsu and it's your job to show them right so i think this is a very important process and there's a ball rolling there's no oh where should i start you should start doing everything you should start doing the intro class properly you should start doing your marketing properly you should start you just stop doing things wrong yeah and like with the marketing it's not you don't need to talk about jiu-jitsu just you provide you give the problem you, you shouldn't if you if you talk about jiu-jitsu means that let's say that i am a customer right and i just get an article saying that oh come to join the academy you're 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 trying to sell me something that i'm i'm not i don't want to buy yet you know i'm not really thinking about buying yeah right so the chance that I click in your ad is zero, right? But maybe if you say to me, look, there's a really interesting to, you know, to improve your flexibility, like three ways to improve your flexibility for guys with 50 years old. I would wait for another month to click because it's yes. still 49. <laughs> but, <laughs> but maybe I would click. And then I will click that because I, I want to be more flexible. And then I'm going to find out that your, the exercises that you're showing me is related to Jiu-Jitsu. So hmm, maybe I can do both. I can get flexibility and also do Jiu-Jitsu. Let, let me check who is this guy. And then you have the connection made. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot more expansive, isn't it? You want yeah. to think outside the box. The question is, what's the pain that my customers has and then the solution and then you need to know the solution you need to know the answer and if you know the answer it's just about how you communicate with them oh i'm gonna use and then you have the email list you have facebook you have instagram you have youtube you have the platforms gonna change you don't need to count with the platform you need to count with the system because if you know the system, no matter which platform you're going to use, you're going to find the right customer. No more questions. No more questions. Come on, guys. Well, it went, actually, long? we've been talking me, about let 45 me see. minutes. Let, 45 <laughs> minutes? Oh, that's not bad. 45 minutes is a good time. Yeah, I was... You guys don't get too grounded. Let me see. Let me just see if I yeah, have any 46 more questions. That 47 have minutes. Come in. Let's see. Uh, well, but, guys, anyway, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. That's the first time we did this. Uh, I promise that my English is going to improve during this the next year. British English. The, the British English. I'm going gonna, gonna to. Go to the accent that's too chic. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's correct. Yeah, I mean, because you guys are copy, right? <laughs> you guys just copy the language that you know the English people speak, yeah. right? So anyway, uh, I gotta try to improve my English. As I said, I gotta try to bring 
new subjects for for you guys to so for us to discuss and new information that about what I'm doing here in association and how can we help you guys better to get more success in your academies. Thank you. How do you like me? Yeah, I like it a lot. You like it a lot? <laughs> That's important because yeah. if it doesn't like, forget about it. <laughs> I'm glad I have that amount of importance in your life, but I know that's not true. <laughs> so guys, please leave the comments to be on the group uh, and I hope you guys have enjoyed. Thanks. See you.